the needs that people have of connecting the rest of the world um, into the city as well. And you've got DP World, one of the largest port operators in the world, right at your doorstep as well. So, so in essence, it really caters to not just the tourism side, but also positioning Dubai from a business perspective. So welcome to Brave Bold Brilliant Podcast. Thank you for having me. You are very welcome. I'm here today, everyone, with the wonderful Issam Kazim, who's the CEO of Corp Dubai Corporation for Tourism and Commerce Marketing. Absolutely. <laughs> so we got the long title in, um, but it's great to see you. It's always, it's always great to be in London, great to be here at WTM, and great to be having such wonderful conversations. Fantastic. So it's a busy show already, it is. isn't it? Yes, it is. Which is great. I think for us, every year we look forward to WTM. There are three events that, that everybody looks forward to within the travel space, and WTM is definitely one of them. Yes, so WTM, ITB. And ATM. And ATM, of course, of course. So, you know, Sam, in your role, it's a big job. You've been in the role since 2014. Yep. So do you want to just give us a little bit of background, how you ended up in this wonderful role that you've got, um, from your kind of, you know, career journey sure. so far? Um, if you look back, I think where the meaningful part of this chapter of the journey started, I would say it's probably at Dubai World Trade Center. I was there for about seven years, um, coming after banking and, and, a, and a few years in uh, the banking post-graduating. So Dubai World Trade Center focuses a lot on um, business events, um, whether it's conferences, exhibitions, um, just catering to the mice sector quite, quite a bit. So for us, that was a, uh, an area that I was involved in for quite a bit um, from a venues perspective. And then I started to get engaged in looking after creating events, right? Especially this was around the 2007, 8, 9, that period of time. And I was heading marketing at that point in time. And uh, obviously going through what the world was going through from a financial crisis perspective, the first thing that happens is you cut budgets from a marketing spend perspective. <laughs> so I started to become a uh, go-to person to um, um, react to the needs as opposed to be proactive with the spend, right? Um, and at that point, I spoke to my boss and uh, I told him that, look, I want to do something more creative. Right now, I'm just restricted to delivering on things that are, that are expected, right? And repeating them as opposed to really being creative in the space. So then we decided that let's move on the event side, which is the core of what Dubai World Trade Center does. And we looked at leisure events quite a bit. And um, we said, okay, why don't we look at uh, creating a music event which has got a serious side as well as well as a fun festival side as well and we launched something after uh, working with and collaborating with some big brands um, and uh, I had a chance to work with a lot of great people we launched Dubai Music Week and um, I worked alongside uh, Quincy Jones so uh, a very well respected um, personality within this music space um, and we worked on a beautiful agenda beautiful program where we talked about the music industry as a whole, where it was, where it's going. We talked about uh, uh, creating a star like Michael Jackson, taking him from the Jacksons into a solo artist and the journey behind that. We had a, uh, a session where we spoke to all the people who were in involved in creating Michael Jackson's solo career. Um, and it was, it, was, it was an amazing experience. Right after that, the, uh, my boss uh, from Dubai World Trade Center got a chance to actually become the head of tourism because there was a change that was happening within that space. Um, the uh, previous director general of tourism had uh, retired and the leadership within Dubai had taken the time to find the right person to take tourism to, to its next stage. 
and uh, my boss, who's Hilal, he did a great job up, the, up until that point in time with Dubai World Trade Center, seeing double-digit growth even during recession, so it positioned him perfectly to focus not just on business tourism now, but also look at tourism as a whole, leisure and business side. So he ended up heading that um, as a director general, and within a year of him taking over that space, he decided to create a private entity, a corporation, that would run effectively all the marketing, comms, sales, a convention bureau, all that aspect of the business, out into a private sector mentality owned by the government sector, and I was brought in to become the CEO of that division. Fantastic. So quite a journey then from music into tourism and um, well and beyond, because of course, as we know, tourism, you need the infrastructure, you need the hotels, you need, you know, all of the transportation, exactly. etc. So it's all very interlinked, isn't it? Yes, it is. Um, I mean, Dubai as a city is completely interlinked, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I've seen lots of changes myself. I've been lucky enough to spend a lot of time in the destination and, um, you know, the change and the, the pace of change is quite breathtaking. Yes, yes, it is. And I think for us, I've always said that the reason that Dubai is different in that sense is because we've been blessed by not having oil or gas to rely on. Mm. So it kind of forced Dubai to look elsewhere, right? Um, and tourism, trade came naturally. To, to the people of Dubai. Um, and I think today, if you look at even the backbone of Dubai as an industry, you've got probably the busiest international airport in the world, right, with DXB. And now we also have DWC that's, that's honestly coming onto line just to support the ever-growing demand on DXB. And also you have Emirates Airlines, our flagship carrier, um, which has been quite successful in connecting the world via Dubai, not only bringing people into Dubai. And then off the back of that, you also have Fly Dubai that is also now come into play because to complement again the needs that people have of connecting the rest of the world um, into the city as well. And you've got DP World, one of the largest port operators in the world, right at your doorstep as well. So, so in essence, it really caters to not just the tourism side, but also positioning Dubai from a business perspective. Hence why today you have a lot of regional and global HQs that have already set up shop in Dubai and have called Dubai home. Um, and today we have also almost 200 different nationalities that make up about 90% of Dubai's population, resident population. And that aspect itself is so unique and so diverse and so, um, I would say, the differentiating factor that attracts more and more people to not just visit Dubai, but eventually and ultimately reside in Dubai as well. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And you make um, it's an interesting point around the international you know, collection of people that live and work in Dubai. And, and Emiratis yes. are in the, such a minority, actually, aren't they? Yes. Um, so, so how do you get that, that blend correct, that it's not just a transient kind of expat place to be, because obviously there are tax benefits as yes, well as, as, as are very, very well known. But at the same time, making sure that the Emirati population feel valued and there are opportunities and they're not just taken over by all of these expats that come in yeah, of course. And, and take the take the big jobs. I think, look, I mean, if you look at it from initial days, right, all the way <coughs> back when our uh, strategy was launched, that was 2013-2014 period. Our strategy mapped out very clearly where we want to be from a tourism perspective, we laid the groundwork on, for example, the different industries that we need to be focusing on, working very closely and collaboratively with the Road and Transport Authority, with the private sector for the hotel investment industry as well, then the government to support it by building the infrastructure to be able to cater to that as well. We launched incentives because we knew that if we we're going to open up to um, growth in terms of tourism numbers, 
we need to look beyond the six or seven traditionally strong markets. Mm. So we started to approach it in a much more diversified way. And we knew that if you're going to go for a diversified market approach, we also then need to um, cater to different um, demands and different needs and therefore different budgets. So we started to encourage investment in the three and four star segment because even though we had a good offering, but we needed to know we, uh, that we, we could have a bigger pool yes. of rooms to offer. And the government immediately launched an incentive plan where they would waive off the 10% municipality fees for five years for those who invest in a three and four star sector hotel. And that's why we saw a quick shift in investment and it gave us what we wanted from room uh, numbers as well. If you look at our 2022 um, uh, marketing campaigns, we were active in 80 plus markets, right? Um, and it's across all mediums, and we don't have a one-size-fits-all anymore. So there's a massive change in the way that we communicate Dubai as a destination, linking it up with the, the stakeholders in the private sector in Dubai, from the hotels and the attractions and so on, creating bundles and packages, and then being able to push that into uh, the trade offerings and the trade relationships that we built globally as well. So that has really helped us from that perspective. But if you look at um, the multinational aspect of Dubai as a city as well, right? Because of the hunger that Dubai had, the appetite that Dubai had to open up, we always created a win-win opportunity. And in Dubai, unlike most places, if not all places in the world, the private sector follows the government sector. The government sector is the one who's pushing the boundaries. The government sector, we work 24-7. We're connected 24-7. COVID was a prime example of when the trade and the stakeholders from the private sector needed to know more information. They were nervous, they were panicking, they didn't know what was going on, the whole world was under lockdown. We were meeting with them sometimes twice a day, if not at least minimum once a day during that period of time of those three, four weeks, just to make sure that whatever we knew, they knew immediately at the same time. Concerns that they had, they would raise to us, we would raise it immediately to the rightful leadership and, and stakeholders within the government sector, come back to them immediately with an answer, transparently across the board, right? And, and, and those are the kind of things that, that really change the game for us. And because of the way that the government works, we have a large number of the American population that are already uh, big players within, uh, from an employment perspective within the government sector. But today with the incentive that we're launching and because of the appetite that the private sector have seen from the government side to really encourage and push the boundaries in the way that we run things and the way that we function, we operate, a lot more of the local population now are moving into the private sector because the private sector want those kind of individuals joining their workforces as well. So we really have a, a very good relationship that runs from the private and public sector and that has now been reflected in the opportunities that have been created as well. Yeah, and, and it's, it's interesting to see how things have shifted you know, over the time. So you started in your role in 2014. Yes. So nine years in the role, 10 years next year, yes. 10 year anniversary. Um, what have been the big initiatives? I mean, you've touched on some already, but what have been the really big changes that have driven the growth, um, apart from what you've already talked about? What, are the, what other things have contributed? I think for us, very simply, it's the appetite from the, again, the private and public sector to work together collaboratively and seeing the difference that happens as well, right? So for example, for us when we launched the strategy, we knew that there will be certain barriers that we need to address. And we analyzed them quite well and also put them in an order of hierarchy, right? And this again, not working in isolation. We're working with the private sector to understand exactly that they're seeing exactly the same, um, I would say bottlenecks, right? That we've been experiencing or that we've at least assessed. Then what we did was, we mapped them out across a uh, well-documented strategy, right? <coughs> Had it communicated very well, transparently again, between the private and public sector. Then we made sure that 
these projects sit with the rightful owner from a private and public sector, and we know exactly who's going to be responsible for what, and with a timeline of when these things need to be delivered as well, right? So we didn't have theme parks when we launched the strategy, and it wasn't even a pipe dream at that point in time. The minute the strategy had already analyzed that Dubai is the ideal location for such things, within a matter of a few years, not only were they part of the strategy, but they were actually delivered as well, right? And today we have uh, Dubai Parks and Resorts, we also have IMG, to complement the already strong offering of Wild Wadi and uh, AquaVenture as well, right? The malls themselves have amazing experiences that also cater to the theme park. So the theme park destination message became clearer and clearer. So we want to make sure that we're not just getting new visitors, but we want to continue to build on what became quite strongly our repeat visitation numbers. So we have about, uh, again, looking at the stats of 2019, because that was the most, I would say, uh, consolidated one when the market was fully open. Mm. And uh, we're already well underway uh, to, to achieve those numbers and break those numbers now. But we were 25% repeat visitors and repeat within 12 months, yeah. right? So it's something we're very, very proud of, meaning that what we're doing, we're doing it well, the people are coming back for more. And we want to continue to build on that and push that message out. Then what we did was, as those things were being rolled out, we started to get the right offerings in terms of hotels, not just the standards of hotels, because even though we launched the incentive of uh, to encourage more three and four star hotels, the leadership were very clear. They said, yes, we want people to be able to afford to come to Dubai, regardless of uh, what their budget looks like. However, if they're coming for a three star hotel, their expectation in Dubai is still a certain luxury experience or whatever. So we want them to also feel the same thing when they're, when they're staying in the three star. So I can confidently say, that three-star hotels in Dubai can compete with many five-stars around the world as well, right? And that's what that's a promise that we also deliver on. So those are the kind of things that I'm very, very proud to say. That also works with not just expecting it to happen. We have strict inspections in place. Again, we work with the private sector very clearly. We started to use the digital platforms very early on, much faster than anybody else within the, the space. In fact, we were trying to learn from the best in the class, which is like FMCG products, seeing how they are running their businesses with all the tech that's available, all the solutions that are available, and everything that we did became data-driven. So we started to then conduct um, almost like a uh, survey across all of the platforms um, uh, globally, right? All the all the main touch points that the tourists and the potential guests of Dubai or the ones who've already visited, and checking what the reviews are of these properties. Then we do property by property, attraction by attraction, individualized reports that we share with them privately so that they know exactly what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, and they have to improve on those. And then they report back to us to ensure that these things are being uh, developed and improved on as well. So we started to become more and more like a product. So Dubai starts thinking like a product, like a private organization that's looking at one unified brand and the private and public sector working together to ensure that they're doing their part, that this brand becomes better and better as we go along. So I think those are the kind of like just quick successes in terms of the way that we think, the way that we approach things, the way that all of the different departments work together. For example, we identified one of the hurdles being the visa policies, for example, right? We need to make it easier for people to come to Dubai, right? So the airline was not given, so we continue to work with them even till today to see what other opportunities do we see, where do we see demand potentially coming from, working with the airlines, trying to align with them to make sure that we can get the capacity into Dubai. If it's not part of, let's say, their, I mean, at the end of the day, Fly Dubai uh, and Emirates Airlines are private entities, they have their own bottom line to look at. If it's not meeting their immediate uh, strategy, then we work with Dubai airports and work with the key source market, their local carriers, and try to incentivize them to come to Dubai and increase the capacity to city. That's a given that's business as usual. But when you look at, for example, programs at the visa, immediately after we launched the strategy and we identified 
opportunities from potentially strong markets that are coming in. China was already identified at that point in time before they became the market that everyone knows today. We immediately added the remaining countries from EU as a visa on arrival. There was about 14 or 16 that we added immediately to the visa on arrival. Then we looked at anybody who has a Schengen or a US visa or a British visa, that they too can get a visa on arrival when they come to Dubai. And then we started to look at additional countries like China and others who can get visa on arrival or easing the visa uh, policies for them. So we literally can, because again, a lot of this has to do with bilateral uh, relationship and negotiations as well. So we are working, even though we're working as a private entity for one uh, emirate, we're still working very closely with the federal to ensure that these dialogues are helping us to get more and more, removing all the hurdles. So when somebody wants to come to Dubai, nothing stops them from making that immediate decision today and flying out tomorrow. Yeah, no, you're right. You, we have to remove any barriers to entry, right, for, for the customer because they they choose where to spend their hard-earned exactly. money. Um, and you know, obviously, you've got COP28 this year in yes. Dubai, so that's coming up imminently, end of November, December. Yes. So the eyes of the world are watching yes. when it comes to sustainability, ESG, etc. So. How important is sustainability for Dubai um, in the whole kind of ecosystem and the strategy going forward? Very important. I think uh, for us, if you look at it from a tourism perspective, specifically, we were probably the first country to actually uh, launch these uh, uh, sustainable uh, programs within our hotel portfolio. We started to roll out... Um, ways for us to recognize those who are making the conscious efforts into retrofitting their properties to become uh, more uh, energy efficient and to become a bit more green um, and and uh, recognizing them with with the wards and so on and it was like a soft approach in terms of encouraging that uh, measured step to take place because again it's not easy it's usually costlier to retrofit properties yeah besides the fact that we have new standards that we put into place to make sure that the new developments are actually following and complying by those as well what we also did was we launched a carbon calculator um, uh, within our uh, platforms to make it easier for people to assess what their carbon footprint looks like today and try to become better than that year on year so things like that have been a, uh, a very good and an easy measurable way for us to monitor and and encourage change in terms of the mindset as well as the approach that we're taking and also what we did was we uh, worked on the consumer level as well right so we started to launch products like uh, Dubai can this was an initiative that literally it's uh, about reducing the use of single-use plastics from from uh, the general public and uh, hotels and others were very quick to take this on board where some of them actually went as far as uh, investing in bottling uh, facilities within their own property so people can actually a use uh, uh, bottled water uh, rather than plastic and then also have refilling stations across different floors and different parts of the uh, properties where people can actually take their uh, gift bottles that they can have in there waiting for them in their hotel rooms and refill them and then take it back with them as well so it's kind of a nice message to encourage them to continue this even when they go back and we did the same thing across the communities and residents in dubai where private and public sector started to sponsor watering facilities around town and we started to map them out on google maps and everywhere else so people know exactly where to go and get these 
bottles refilled when they're like on the, out on a jog or on the cycling tracks. So a lot of these initiatives are really changing the mindset and we were able to actually break the numbers and targets and KPIs that we set for ourselves. And there are a lot of these initiatives that we're continuously rolling out to slowly but surely get the community to rally behind this movement as well and also get the private sector to follow suit as well. Yeah, and, and it's going to be interesting, I think, to see what comes out of COP, COP28, clearly. I mean, I do a lot of work with the core hotels, yes. um, who are big in the region, um, huge in the region. So you might know uh, Duncan O'Rourke. Yes, of course. Duncan has also been a guest on Brave Bowl Brilliant. Um, Amazing, okay. Yes, yeah. yes. So um, so I do a lot of work with Duncan and his his exec board. And to see the, the pace of development and the pace of growth for them as a hotel, hotel group, with sustainability at the forefront and everything you're talking about in terms of single-use plastics and, and more sustainable initiatives I think is, is absolutely at the heart of, of that organization yes, of course. in partnership obviously with you know with, with organizations and like I think yourself. It's, also, it's also a vision for the UAE because we have a uh, net zero initiative for 2050 which is a federal run mm. um, agenda so I think see the thing again <coughs> going back to the successes of Dubai and how we do things we always run like a private sector with clear strategies, well communicated, well in advance. So we're talking about the tourism strategy for 2030. We're talking about the D33 strategy that was announced earlier this year, which is about the economy, right? So that's Dubai by 2033, the next decade. It's about doubling the GDP, um, which is again, an ambitious target, but Dubai has never been shy of uh, setting ambitious goals for itself, right? Um, and also when you have a 2014 uh, Dubai Urban Master Plan initiative, then we have the Net Zero 2050 uh, initiative. Then we also have the target of the Master Plan for 2071, which is the centennial 100 year anniversary of the formation of the UAE. So I can confidently say that the way that we run the, the Emirate, the city, the country, it's quite different. I mean, the private sector are very familiar with that kind of an approach. And I think that's why we're able to do what we've been able to do and continue to do that. But it's all on the backbone, again, of the environment that we've created for people to live in Dubai, reside in Dubai, the safety and security aspect, the livability aspect, the lifestyle that people uh, choose to come to Dubai thinking there's going to be a one or two year uh, stop on their uh, career within their career, but they end up being there now for 15, 20 years, yeah. and some of them for a couple of generations now. Yeah, it's true, it's true actually. It does kind of get under your skin. Uh, I've spent quite a bit of time in Dubai over the years, and I always love to come back and see what's changed. And um, you know, and obviously, there's a lot of development in the region. Yes. So outside of Dubai, you know, I was down in Ras Al Khaimah earlier this year, and then I was back again in, uh, well, literally three weeks ago, and there's so much development. Yes. And it's literally an hour drive, sometimes yeah, less yeah. from the airport. It's very, very close. So what's your perspective on the region developing and how either that <coughs> complements or competes against Dubai? I think there's an element of both, right? And I, and I welcome both. Because complementing, of course, is always useful. Because if you look at it from, a, again, from a guest perspective, right? Um, you always want, if you're genuinely looking from that perspective, you always want the best for your guests. And if the guests want to explore further, every Emirate in Dubai genuinely has its own unique proposition that differentiates it from one another. And I think it's amazing that you can cover most of them within, within if again, just traveling between them within a day, right? And the commute aspect of it, I think it's shorter than some people commute back and forth from work. Yeah, right? that's true. So I think for us, those are the kind of things that are strengths that we need to leverage even more so than we do today, right? I think that's one side of it. 
But then if you look at it from a, a competition perspective, I am not one, and Dubai has never been one on, for resting on their laurels. And this makes sure that complacency never sets in, right? Yep. And uh, we're always trying to push each other to the next level, always pushing each other um, to achieve more. And Dubai has always constantly done that even before the competition started. So if you go way back to when uh, our leadership, Hamid, decided that, you know, tourism is something we should really focus on, a lot of people questioned that decision, right, from the region. They thought, why would somebody want to come to the middle of the desert? It's hot and, 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 and sunny. But he was basing it on his own fact where he had personally had conversations with people who he, had, he assumed were probably lost in this further part of Dubai, which now is quite central, <laughs> but at that point in time, early 80s. And he went and approached them and spoke to them, and, um, and he knew that they weren't native. And he said, are you guys lost? They said, no. He's like, are you guys stuck? Do you want help? He said, no, no. He said, I'm just curious, what are you guys doing here? And they said, we're from Germany, and we're here on holiday. And he's like, holiday in Dubai? He's like, yeah. He's like, how come? I said, like, why not? He's like, it's, uh, you've got sun, sand, and sea. It's perfect for a holiday. And that just got the you know, wheels in motion for Dubai. And he just really focused on driving that forward. And some people would have seen that as something as a passing statement. They would have moved on. But that really put the impetus there for him, knowing that there is something that we need to capitalize on. And that really put Dubai today. If you look at the 2019 numbers again, we were number four in terms of the most internationally visited cities in the world. Right? Nobody, I mean, if, again, you go back to the, to the time where he had that idea, people would have questioned that, thinking like impossible, it's not yeah. going to happen. Yeah. But we managed to achieve it. We managed to sustain it. 25% repeating visitation again and again. And they're coming from all over the world. Now they're setting up shop in Dubai, they call them Dubai home. Since COVID lockdown, we launched so many visa programs that people are actually can now invest in Dubai, get residencies in Dubai, and so on and so forth. So it's really flourishing and becoming far more than just a destination. It's really become a city that people are choosing to move to. And I think this kind of differentiates Dubai from many places around the world, right? So I think us competing with others who are so well developed with longer histories of hundreds of years really allowed Dubai that, 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 uh, that, that stepping stone to really push beyond what people would have thought. I mean, if, if people would have put a ceiling, we didn't believe in that ceiling, right? And Dubai never believes in ceilings. So we managed to get there. So today with the competition that comes in, it's great because it really allows the others to also learn from one another and develop and push the others to, to achieve higher and bigger things. Yeah, I agree. I mean, a rising tide lifts all ships. Absolutely. You know, so um, I, think, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, as you were talking, the things that stand out for me are vision. Yes. Long term. Yes. Thinking, not just short term. Absolutely. Partnerships, um, in particular between private sector, public sector. Yes. And, and as you say, no limits, yes. really, you know, and also the, the not just thinking just tourism, but how as an economy, it's all joined together. Absolutely. Um, so, so I think for me, as you were, as you were describing, you know, the, the journey, those are the standout um, yes. areas. It's which, like the mantra uh, of the city, right? Yeah, absolutely. <coughs> absolutely. So what I'm now interested in, Islam, is, is for you as an individual, yeah. as a leader, you've got people looking to you yes. for leadership, for answers, for support, for guidance. In this near 10-year period that you've been in this role, yeah. um, how have you changed as a leader yourself, do you think? To be honest with you, the, the, the earliest learning, which I think it's logical, but unfortunately in the early stages it's not as logical, right? 
um, which is to be confident enough to say, I don't know, right? And I think also to understand that even if you have juniors in your team, especially nowadays, much younger, fresh grads who might actually have thoughts and ideas that have never occurred to you, right? And I think that's that's honestly one of the most important things that I've learned. And uh, and I can thankfully say that I learned that very quickly, right? <laughs> um, it's not about an ego or anything else. It's just that you put an unnecessary pressure on yourself thinking that, no, no, I'm in this role. I should know this. You know, I should know that. But you will never know everything, right? And you should always leave the door open to really listen to everyone, right? As they say, I know it's cliche, but there is no stupid idea, right? Yeah. And let them all come out with whatever they have on their mind, right? And in fact, teach the others who might come up with something that sounds obvious, explain to them why it's obvious, why you thought of it before and how you approached it. Because the more you educate those who are around you and part of your team, genuinely thinking of it as a team, the quicker they can get up to speed and the greater ideas that come from them, mm, right? 100%. And the more you open the floor, the the ideas to pick from become you know a lot more a, a lot more uh, uh, varied and a lot more uh, uh, I would say colorful, right? And I think that's what's important. And I think genuinely that's that's been Dubai's approach as well. We've never been shy to see what others have achieved and what others have been able to do. And we've always known that there are ways to perfect things, ways to, or actually strive for perfection, right? Because that always pushes you beyond. We do not believe in standing still. We always want to be better than we were yesterday, right? And that in itself always teaches you to, to keep moving forward in, in, in the right way and the right mentality. And that's the same way in terms of growth, keeping the channels open, keeping the doors open. We truly, again, as a government department, if you come to our offices, you'll see, we do not have offices. It is as open floor as you can ever get. Right, and I think that in itself also lends the the mindset and the culture to work in a way and an energy that has really helped us achieve what we've been able to achieve. Yeah, fantastic. And and you're right. You know, I think strong leaders recognize they don't know everything, and actually, you want to recruit and hire really smart people that know more than you. Absolutely. <laughs> in in key areas, 100%. and that's the strength of a leader, not a weakness, actually, yes. isn't it? But sometimes I think that's something we maybe learn through our career yes. journey. Yes. Certainly, I could say for myself, um, and probably when we're young. I mean, in in our career, I think sometimes we we worry about probably more egotistical things yes. whereas as we become a little or the more, optics yes right will yes. they think that i don't know yes. will they lose respect and i think it's the contrary because if you are not confident enough in yourself right that that comes out right i mean and then people recognize that there is some element of you not being genuine yes and i think that's when you lose respect i think the minute you open the floor and you actually genuinely ask people and there's no harm Look, you're saying something <coughs> I'm not aware of, right? What do you mean by that? How does that work? For example, when it comes to social media, a lot of these platforms, it is evolving so fast that it's impossible with everything else that a CEO or a leader is dealing with to be able to be aware of every single thing that's happening in that field. Ask those questions. Make sure that after that meeting, you're far more knowledgeable than you were when you started that meeting. Those are the kind of things that I think really goes a long way. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about failure and when things sure. don't go right. Because, you know, we've painted a very, very 
um, positive pitch about Dubai and there's lots to be grateful for and it, and it is going exceptionally well and for you in your career as well you know you've been hugely successful in everything you've achieved so congratulations um, but there will be times that you th can think about where maybe things haven't quite gone the way you wanted or maybe you didn't get the deal over the line and, and we've had to deal with you know knockbacks and failure sure. so can you think of any times when things haven't gone quite as you would have liked and then how you had the resilience to bounce back yourself. Sure. Uh, okay, look, I mean, I'll be honest with you, right? I mean, I've been lucky that we've worked in an environment where things were planned in such a way where we always had fallback plans, right? We've never been so unidirectional in the way that we approach things that we're just blinded by the fact that that's the one thing that we're going to go for. We have always had plan B and plan C running in parallel just in case that we can shift. And again, we've been lucky because the industry that we're in when it comes to tourism, it is always dynamic, right? You have uh, socioeconomic or geopolitical factors that you cannot control that will dictate how and when people travel. So by design, I think it's a bit different. But let me bring it back to another point where it might be relevant, COVID, right? So when COVID hit the world, it caught everyone by surprise, right? Now, it could be a collective... Um, not failure, but, but something that could have impacted us negatively, you know, everyone collectively together. But what Dubai chose to do was say, like, you know what? Let us think a bit differently here, right? We can wait, you know, and wait and see what happens, wait and see what others are doing and learn. But it was the first time that Dubai said, you know what? In our young career, we've always said we have the tallest building, we have the Palm Island, this and that. And we made an amazing announcement that really helped us. But this is the time where we felt Let's put our hands up and say, we're willing to take that step, right? We're willing to take a step that maybe we can also communicate what we're doing and others can learn from us. It's the first time that maybe, you know, let us take, let us take the initiative. And in true Dubai spirit, we work together in private public. We got together immediately from switching off, uh, uh, what's it called, uh, the offices and moving, shifting to work, working from home. We started it literally overnight. So we went home, the next day everyone was, you know, well positioned to work from home because I think it was already set up in that way. In some way, shape or form, we had already launched that once a, week, once a month working from home and so on. So the infrastructure really supported that very well. So we immediately engaged and continued working. We straight away started to think about, okay, how are we going to communicate with the people? We cannot be doing marketing campaigns, right? But we've learned a lot from the marketing campaigns. We already have the communication channels. We cannot just go silent on these platforms, right? We have an audience. We need to stay in touch with them. So we switched it from marketing to more informative. So we started to do a campaign showing them beautiful sceneries of Dubai, but being empty. No one's on the road. The streets are literally, this was like ghost town, right? Yes. But beautiful images of Dubai. And then saying, we know what you're going through, basically, right? We're going through the same thing as well, right? Right now is the time for you to focus on your well-being, your family's well-being, right? We're not going anywhere. We miss you. We can't wait to see you. And... We'll be waiting for you when you're ready to travel again. Mm. That engaged so much dialogue and conversation in a positive way that we started to have interaction with the with the fans of the destination, and we started to get a dialogue going. And then we started to see that there's an uptrend in terms of um, search for the destination. Then we started to monitor the conversation. It's becoming a bit more frustrated, right? People are getting frustrated of not knowing what's going on, but they're frustrated sitting in their apartments behind these four walls and so on and so forth. So we changed. We came back with another message showing them this is a bit more fun and play. 
So now, uh, because the mindset was different now, right? It's not, not scared anymore, more frustrating. So we started to do campaigns showing people practicing putting, for example, in their uh, living room, right? There's a glass and they're putting in the living room and putting ball and say, um, why don't you do, do that like, in terms of practicing? Because we too are preparing and we're showing empty uh, greens at the golf yeah. courses being perfectly manicured and we're saying we're ready when you are. Right, and again, it was funny. It was, and then people started to also share their creative work with the same tagline as well. And then eventually, when we were ready to open, we started to show. Oh, sorry, in parallel, while we're doing the campaigns, we also were taking a lot of measures in terms of if we were to open, right, for domestic tourism. We weren't talking about international at that point of time. What would opening up look like, right? Restaurants would they be at thirty percent? Would they be at forty? Would they be at fifty percent? What what are the safety distances between the tables? How many people we're going to be allow in? So on and so forth. All of those measures were really well calculated and then, again, consulted with the private sector to make sure, does this make sense, right? You want to make sure that it makes business sense as well. That was rolled out and then we opened up. We had strict guidelines and we also said, we're going to be very strict. Anybody who even tries to be cheeky and bend the rules, we're going to shut them down and we're going to have hefty penalties because you cannot take people's health and well-being lightly, right? Yeah. Everyone respected it. Everyone followed it properly. And we were communicating all of these measures that we're taking across all our social media platforms. Because again, in the hopes that others could learn also from what we're doing. Because the leadership were very clear. They said, if you're ready to open, again, sitting with all of us, we said, yes, these are the measures we've taken, this is what we've done. We showed them exactly how we're calculating the risks that we're taking. They said, fine, but remember one thing. Once we open, we're not closing. Because we want the businesses to be confident in the decision that we're making. We cannot come across indecisive. And that really helped us. So we opened up, we got full support from the private and public. We saw it all the way through, and slowly but surely, from shutting down in uh, in March, we opened up in May. We opened up for domestic tourism in, in uh, sorry international tourism in July, and we were uh, since then just uh, building up. And today, for the first time this year, we've actually started to break our record-breaking year 2019 numbers. Yeah. Right. So it just shows you how having the structured approach and how that we've managed to put, put things together, a challenge that came across, right? It could have been something that we also sit back and we also should be sitting over here saying we couldn't meet the numbers that we've set for ourselves. But we've promised the private sector that we will deliver tourists. We will make sure that your hotels are full. We make sure that the restaurants, you're going to be celebrating this as well. And off the back of that, back to back, two years in a row, last year and this year, we have been the, the Traveler's Choice Award from TripAdvisor right? Showing you that people are seeing what we're doing and recognizing what we're doing and appreciating what we're doing. You know, we've got Michelin Guide that was launched last year from not being here. The first guide in the region was a Dubai guide. We had 64 restaurants. This year we had 90 restaurants in total. We have two, uh, sorry, three two-star restaurants. We've got several one-star and a lot of homegrown concepts. Today we're in a state where we're not just importing brand names, we're exporting homegrown concepts globally as well. So the whole game has changed. Dubai is no longer that young city, vibrant, that's just attracting tourists who come and go. We're now talking about people who are coming here and staying for two weeks on end, right? Coming more than once and residing in Dubai, setting up shop in Dubai and wanting to raise their family in Dubai. It's totally changed. It really has. And, you know, congratulations. And then ironically, I think, um, you know, had COVID not happened, I mean, none of us wanted it to happen, clearly. Of course. But had it not happened maybe we wouldn't be in such a strong position today because it made us more creative. It made us think outside the box because necessity is the mother of invention, as Absolutely. they say. You know? But there's also the other side to it. 
I also think that there's a lot of things that we had taken A for granted yeah. being residents of Dubai, but also we're unable to, how, how can you communicate what happens on a day-to-day -day basis, right? I mean, that's an energy that you have to live through. But I think COVID allowed us and shed the spotlight onto Dubai and gave people a chance to see what these 200 nationalities are experiencing in Dubai. Why are people moving to Dubai? Why has that number grown so much, right? And why would they choose Dubai out of any other place? Because I think for them, they saw firsthand that when their kids are going to schools in, in, in a school in Dubai, they truly come out as multinational, multicultural individuals. They've interacted with people from all walks of life, celebrated, whether it's Eid or Ramadan or Christmas or Diwali or, 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 or any other celebration from any other culture, genuinely celebrating it together and educating one another about it, right? Those are the kind of things that are so unique that COVID really gave people the chance to experience it firsthand. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent agree with you. So it's been uh, there's a lot to celebrate, a lot to be thankful for, um, and I bet you have had lots of great advice over the years. Yes. Some of it you may have decided wasn't good advice and chose to ignore. Some of it might have really landed with you and allowed you to really take yourself forward. Any standout pieces of advice that you've received which has helped you over the years? I think one of the main one is. Uh, not to everything that you know now i know everything right and i think that's that's a big one for me right um i always approach every day at work as an opportunity to learn something new right whether it's from my own team whether it's from my own kids my own family or it's 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 from the from the amazing amazing group of people that i, I am blessed to get a chance to work with right and i think that aspect in itself will keep me just like dubai humble to know that you know there's an, always an opportunity to learn keeps me excited to come to work. As you said, it's been almost 10 years now, and I'm looking forward to hopefully the next decade to see the D33 plan through because there is just this, this, this ambition and energy that the city has that if you just keep your eyes, ears, mind, and spirit open to accept, learn, develop, and, and, and evolve, right? The more you're gonna enjoy this journey as well, right? And I think being, being that, that open-minded about learning new things, and also understanding the fact that it is not just from a, a perspective of, of, of leveraging the experiences that you're sitting with and, 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 and working with people, but it's also understanding the projects that you're going to be working on today are, in all honesty, probably some of the best that, that, that not only we will see in our, in our time, but, but in some aspects, some of the best of, of what the world can and enjoy and experience as well. So I think those are the kind of things that for me just is something that I, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to be you know, part of, and, and to say that that is probably the one learning that I've adapted to, to appreciate as well. Yeah, I mean, listen, you're creating a legacy, you know, no doubt, in terms of tourism, but just making the world a better place, right? And I think that's wonderful. So this year, where there's a lot going on, if you could describe this year in one word, Sam, what would it be and why? <laughs> um, honestly, I think it's it's... There'll be either one or two. I mean, it's, it's more or less uh, they're one of another. So it's either ambition or hunger, right? Because that's what really has kept Dubai ahead in, in many of the spaces that it finds itself in. And I think if we can just continue to be ambitious and remain hungry, right, the more we will remain humble and the more we know that there's still opportunity to grow, still opportunity to learn, still opportunity to evolve, right? And I think for me, that has been key in driving Dubai forward, driving myself forward. And I think 
I've just, again, been blessed to be working in, a, in an industry and in a city where these opportunities are available and you can make whatever you want out of these opportunities that are, that are, that are given to you. Yeah, fantastic. I love that. Hungry ambition. Maybe that's the two combined. Yes. <laughs> fantastic. So this podcast is called Brave, Bold, Brilliant, as you know. When yes. you hear that, what does that mean to you? Brave, Bold and Brilliant for me would mean, I mean, I love the fact there's three Bs, but I would add a D and I would say it's Dubai. Because for me, again, Dubai has been brave in everything that it's done, right? And uh, in, in some aspects, we've had... Uh, Challenging rides as well, right? Many things thrown at at the sector, whether it's travel, trade, um, or also again sometimes just keeping up with with the changes that are happening, right? So we need to remain dynamic, um, being bold as well. Um, it's about doing things where maybe or, or or venturing into areas that nobody's gone before, right? Building the Palm Islands, building Burj Khalifa, creating a quote unquote seven star hotel, right, with Burj Al Arab itself. And just putting that, that, that aim that, you know what, let's create these opportunities where for, for once people will start hearing noise from these little dots on the map, right? Because we need to, again, rise above all of the amazing things that were happening around the world. So these are statement pieces that came out that gave us a chance to bring the global attention here, but then it's about delivery, right? And we were able to actually deliver on that uh, promise uh, as well. So I think... For me, Dubai would resonate very well with, with the three Bs. Perfect. Well, that's why we're here. So thank you, Isam. It's been absolutely wonderful chatting with you. And um, yeah, good luck with everything that's uh, coming ahead. No, thank you for having me. And I think it's been a pleasure talking to you as well. And I hope to see you in Dubai very soon. Absolutely. You can't keep me away. <laughs> I really hope you've enjoyed Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Don't forget to subscribe and share with all your friends. And if you've enjoyed listening, I'd love it if you'd leave me a five-star review.